0: Welcome to It Is
1: What It Is. I'm Corbin Casrez. And I'm Anthony Salvano.
0: And uh, we're going to be talking today about what's the best way for the players to um, participate in self-determination, right? Uh, Is it by participating in the NBA structure and going through the union and lobbying for changes? Is it from... Uh, you know, a virtual strike where they say, we're not coming back to the bubble. We'll start again next year or maybe 2021. Uh, Or is it to do something, uh, you know, again, I don't know how much of this is rumor. Uh, Apparently when this suggestion came up on the call, Kyrie left the call, but it's been associated with his name, this idea of the players forming their own league. Uh, So maybe they just walk outside the structure of the NBA organization that they're currently in. Um, and the par- parallels of all of that, which I want to discuss specifically basketball, but I just want to keep in mind the idea of social change. Right? Is it better to work within the system, even if you have to compromise and take small steps towards self-determination and, and make compromises? And who are the ones making the compromises? Uh, or is it better to go outside the system and, and kind of do your own thing? We've got the autonomous state uh, attempt in Seattle and uh, those that check out of, go off the grid, you know, and kind of leave society behind. Uh, so methods of social change and self-determination, I think, uh, raise this interesting tension of do it on your own or do it together, but, but that means that you have less self-determination. Uh, basketball, philosophy, pop culture, whatever, the, the question that's kind of motivating our conversation today uh, is based on the, the talks that Kyrie Irving had with the players And some of the uh, leaks about whether there's dissension in the union and what it means for players to determine their uh, return to basketball, uh, whether they get to choose in the bargaining process within the NBA or start their own league, which was one of the rumored suggestions.
1: Yeah, the concept of the the bubble league is not, not the NBA's bubble league, but the players breaking off and forming their own league. Um, I guess I just don't understand what goal you're trying to achieve. Um, because like, if it's in the name of player safety, you just like, to me, the most safe thing is to not play. Right. Or you work with the NBA to figure out that structure. So for instance, uh, in the name of like player safety, the NBA changed the schedule, Uh, the past like two or three years ever since the was a 2012 lockout when they played like, you know, four, uh, what was it? It was like triple headers and the possibility of, uh, like five games or four games and five nights or something like that. And there was like a lot of those and then the travel distances and stuff like that. So the NBA started implementing measures to, to provide more rest rest days so that, you know, everybody would play all the games and that there would be more time to heal. And also they kind of allowed coaches to sit, sit the star players in the name of rest days. Um, Although this past year they were starting to push back against that. So if it's like in the name of player safety, does a player led league really get at that? Or is this more about like trying to, trying to maximize your earning power because you're in control of the earnings and then you can divvy out how much you get versus what you would have gotten in, in the other format. Um, but it, it kind of think makes me think of like a, maybe the, like the players it wouldn't go very well if the players formed their own league like maybe initially it would be really exciting but the nba would still exist and there'd be like a competing thing and viewership would be kind of split but it makes me think of like uh, college um, college basketball where the players actually don't get stakes in the organizations they're all they're the marketing material they're the you know the fuel of the whole thing but they really don't earn anything except for in, like, you know, behind-the-stage, like, handouts and stuff like that. And there's been a lot of talk in recent years of, like, maybe it's time that player-athletes get paid, and there's all this talk of, like, forming, you know, separate leagues for that, for that mechanism to happen.
0: Yeah, I think that's interesting to bring up uh, college basketball, um, just so that we have comparisons on the other side, too, right? The, the NBA is an organization. It is hierarchical and the owners have a lot of pull and sway, and and they make a lot of money off of the backs of these players. Um, But a player-owned league, you know, players determining their own kind of competitive structure, isn't fully developed as a plan, one. So we'd have to see if it could even be sustainable and what it would look like and how different it would actually be from what we currently have. Um, But two, it's kind of this, like, utopic vision of... Wouldn't it be great if if the players made all the money and and it went kind of like straight to the artist instead of through the producer uh, and the company that does all the marketing? But what does that mean, right? You lose you lose the the values that the marketing and production companies bring to the to the table. So you don't have arenas, you don't have um, television contracts. You'd have to negotiate all that again because it's not in in the contract with the organization and so does it end up actually allowing self-determination or does it just um, put certain charismatic figures into the position of what used to be the owner position or the lead position so bringing up the college basketball also goes to show the other direction that they can go right they could go more hierarchical they could remove even more power and one of the concerns that I I heard I don't know if this is a red herring but and it seemed like some people are concerned that if the players don't return to the bubble to play, that this could be used as a reason to um, cancel the CBA contract, say that they reneged uh, on their part of the deal, and that therefore they can renegotiate all the terms, and that it would work out worse for the players since you know public opinion might be against them. So one of the concerns is we could actually return more to the college aspect where the players aren't getting the recognition and merits, uh, you know, rewards of their, of their work and play. Uh, it's going to the organization and I definitely don't want to say return to that.
1: Right. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, uh, going back just a couple of steps uh, you had mentioned, you know, like the players in the players league, like the players would assume the power of the ownership but it i feel like that definitely doesn't uh doesn't allow for self determination because it's just a different person who's in you know the the top hierarchical structure and maybe there's a, a little bit more autonomy from the players in that scenario but still there's like a directive it's not just like um I guess the equivalent, even then, it's still hierarchical. I was going to say, like, a rec league where, like, you know, teams show up to play and the kids are just, like, you know, kind of there just to have fun and they could choose not to play. And there's like, it's like a no stress environment. But there's like billions of dollars at stake here. So it's hard to, it's hard to allow for, you know, self determinism if, if there's this ultimate, like, guiding power that also is, like, not of the self, you know, with money. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I want to look at the comparison for just a second, throw some philosophy in here. Um, and some personal history. I, I used to want to take the opt out version. I'm very much, uh, or was very much an idealist and thought, you know, compromising to prop up the current social structure was participating in the evil that we wanted to to overturn. You know, so very suppressive structures, um, inequitable in economics. We've got people living in in neighborhoods that have kind of been zoned where they don't get as many services. They don't have access to food or jobs. They are kind of treated poorly and, and not provided resources for upkeep of their facilities and infrastructure. And then there's the racist, racist kind of just that's the bad part of town, you know, um, it, it, it lowers the value of, of everything in, in that area. So uh, um, one of the thoughts that, you know, I brought into it as a young person was, great, let's just me and my friends go start an alternative society. And we'll go out into rural New Mexico or whatever and uh, grow our own food and, and live off the grid and kind of escape the current structures and try to show that there's an alternative. And for me, it was this idea that if we can model it, then maybe it will provide hope for others. Uh, But I was uh, convinced, I think, by the challenge that, well, if you're off the grid and and kind of isolating, nobody's going to know the project that you're doing. And it's an unrealistic project to sustain for this number of people. It might work when you've got enough people that you have interpersonal uh, relationships with and can hash out the conflicts in one-on-one or in small group settings. But when you have to develop a kind of organizational structure to handle conflicts and make decisions on a large scale, maybe it just doesn't work. And so our alternatives end up being unravel society completely into smaller units and lose all the advantages of a global society um, or figure out some kind of other way of, of promoting change and progress in a global society that has to make compromises and, and accept the the facets of this society that have already historically been embedded with all these oppressive and racist kind
1: of elements. Yeah, I think that's a really, really good point. And maybe I'm selling the players short here um, by just saying that, like, they're creating a new structure that will just kind of emulate the original structure, but maybe they've had discussions in mind where they're talking about a whole new system that's more equitable for the, the whole and not just for the few, you know, power players. Um, and that would be, you know, honestly, probably way better.
0: I wonder if the ability to uh, negotiate in these contracts with the union by participating in the bubble uh, some of the things that have come out about the terms is that the players have an option to not not return. They can tell their teams, I think, by the 24th, whether they're coming or not. And uh, if if we as fans can respect and promote that kind of self-determination of whether they participate or not, maybe that enables some kind of growth and work within the organization. You know, we don't need an alternative as so long as we, the fan... Recognize that we're responsible for whether or not self-determination works if we penalize players by saying well You chose not to come so I don't respect you as a player anymore, or I don't think you should get paid as much um, I, I think there's there's the problem, right? It's, it's with us not with within the league itself
1: right and um, I guess uh, the other point that I wanted to make was kind of a tangent uh, Slash analog with the black lives matter movement Uh, And this whole outcome now in the aftermath is this concept of defund the police, which um, taken at face value, people are reacting very negatively towards because to them, defund the police means like completely disband and have zero policing force. And uh, maybe that's like not possible because there's always going to be some sort of like law enforcement agency, whether you call it the police or not um but this concept of defunding the police um you know in the 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 most literal meaning is like just remove some of the budget and apply that budget to other organizations that are better equipped to handle those kinds of issues and you know that's not a huge flip on on the structure um and maybe the players have something more like that in mind where it's like we're not necessarily like turning a capitalist league into a communist league, but we're thinking like, how can we more equitably allocate salaries, allocate, you know, health safety standards throughout the organization so that those gaps that we talked about in the beginning, uh, they're, they're more in service of the players and not just like the owners and the LeBron level talent.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like it, and I think um, I think that's a good point. We're coming up close to our time, uh, so let's end with something a little bit more lighthearted. Who do you think will uh, thrive in this bubble environment? Do you think it'll be um, a team that's already kind of high in the power rankings, or do you think there'll be some kind of surprise uh, team or player that emerges as, as benefiting from this alternate structure?
1: Man, that's hard to say because... Uh I don't, like, you haven't heard any news about, like, what players' workout regimens have been. Or if This hasn't been, like, a summer of free agency kind of news cycle. It's been, like, darkness for the month of, like, March. And then there was, like, some conversations about the bubble coming up in April. And only now are we hearing about these ideas of players working out and stuff like that. Like, Giannis said that he didn't even have access to a basketball hoop for, like, the whole summer until he started to be able to get access to the, the Milwaukee Bucks facility. So I would hope that we're still back on that career trajectory of, of, uh, you know, LeBron versus Giannis in the finals. Cause I think that would be really a really good watch, but I'm kind of rooting for like underdogs. Like maybe, uh, the Utah jazz can finally like get it together. <laughs> I thought there was like, a lot of turmoil <laughs> right, right when COVID happened. Right.
0: <laughs> um, so I, along those lines, I think that uh, the surprise team could be someone like Denver instead of Utah. Uh, I've been hearing reports about Jokic has, like, beefed up. He's the opposite of Giannis right now. Like, he beefed up, up during this time and uh, and lost a lot of weight, but it turned in muscle mass. And So that would be interesting to see if he's a lot more agile and, and if that makes a difference for their young team. And then I think uh, the Sixers could surprise us if they're not – uh, I mean, they're historically a horrible road team, typically only good at home, but I don't know what the, why that is, right? Is it uh, something about playing in front of the Philly fans, in which case not having fans at all will be you know, disastrous for them? Or is it uh, something about travel itself and, and um, the logistics, maybe the personalities on the road? loses, messes up with the team chemistry. So maybe if they're in one place for several weeks, a couple of months, maybe that gets rid of that concern. And all of a sudden they're a, a tight unit for the two-month run of of going to the finals. Like I could see Simmons and Embiid suddenly being a powerhouse if they can get over their their road issues.
1: Yeah, that's a really good thing. Use the, the end of the regular season as like that getting used to being... In a hotel, twenty four seven, and so then they work out all of the, the like road, those road issues, so that they're like in the ready for the playoffs. Uh, one factor that I heard, so like Luka Doncic is like one of my favorite players in the league. I think he's pretty uh, phenomenal, and I heard that when he went back to Serbia for the summer or Croatia, I forget, uh, that he like didn't do anything for a while. And uh, his trainer, like, last week or the week before, was like, "Uh, "Luca will be ready for the start of the season. But he didn't exactly say that he was, like, in basketball shape at that moment. So he's like, we got a lot of work to do. (laughs) So (laughs) I think uh, him and Jokic were the two players who are probably criticized for their, like, NBA physique. Like, they're not not fat people, but um, they're definitely not in, like, the – Super slim, two percent body fat realm that most of the other NBA players are in. Right, right. And I
0: used to think that that was an inflated criticism of Jokic, um, but this year I did feel like he had put on even more weight and was looking pretty slow on the court. So if if he has taken this time to focus on his on his physique and and become more agile, um, I'll be I'll be interested to see how that plays out.